0: Thanks be to God for words and music that sing God's praises. Our second lesson today comes from Paul's letter to the church church in Corinth. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with the 12th verse and even some verses toward the end of that chapter. We keep listening for God's word. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain and your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have died for since death came through a human being the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being for as in as all die in adam so all will be made alive in christ what i'm saying brothers and sisters is this flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable listen i'll tell you a mystery We will not all die, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Someone asked me this week what I would be preaching on on Sunday, and I said, death and dying well. That's my subject. And after a pause, there came a response. Well, that's a real uplifting message for the <laughs> middle of summer. And while most people are usually not thinking ahead about the sermon topic at church on Sunday, another person actually asked me the same question. What are you preaching about on Sunday, preacher? And I said, death and dying well. And then the person asked, is your congregation really that old? (laughs) Today's subject comes again from several of your suggestions about what I might preach on, helpful topics in coming sermons. We've also had a few more funerals in recent days and another, another one this coming Sunday as we celebrate the life and gifts of former Pastor Al Wynn, one week from today. Death of loved ones, funerals, confront us with the reality, we are all going to die. All of us. Death of church members and friends and more funerals in our common life together remind us of the truth. Life is short and we do not have much time to gladden the hearts of those who travel the way with us. And then the recent mass shootings in Colorado this Thursday night with so many innocent people killed remind us in another way. Death is all around us in our violent culture, especially with guns and unstable people. Death is all around us. Death and loss are much a part of our lives. So as people of faith, as the congregation here, we can add and we should talk often about death and final things. As our scriptures remind us, remind us death is not the end. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And Paul says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? So how do you think about death and your death? If we have a healthy and faithful perspective about our deaths and about final things, we will live with more faith and more vitality. If we can come to terms with the finality of our lives, the reality of death, and the promise of the resurrection, we will be equipped to live. We all will, even in the face of tragedy and fear. Indeed, faithful thoughts about death and final things can transform our living, and that's our goal. You may remember the movie, Out of Africa. It starred uh, Robert Redford and Meryl Streep. The movie was based on a book that was written in the 1930s by the same title, Out of Africa, written by a person named Isaac Dennison. In the book, Out of Africa, a boy comes up to the baroness on her coffee plantation in East Africa, and he's seeking employment. They settled on a wage, and... He was given tasks to do all around the coffee plantation and the boy performed them faithfully. He did them diligently. A wonderful employee to the baroness. But after six months, the boy submitted his resignation. No, no, you can't leave, said the baroness. I'll pay you more. I'll improve your working conditions. What can I do to keep you on the plantation here working? Please, don't leave. But the boy was determined. His only request was that the baroness write a recommendation for him, a recommendation letter, because he was going to the next village to apply for employment there. And so she did. She wrote a recommendation, but she wanted to know why he was going to the next village and not staying there and working with her. And this is what the young worker told the baroness. I'm trying to decide whether to become a Muslim or a Christian. I've now spent six months working with you, observing you, seeing how you live as a Christian. Now I will spend six months with the sheikh in the next village to see what the Muslim is like and this will help me decide what to be." And the Baroness said what we all probably would say, I wish I had known. I wish I had known. Had she known, perhaps she might have tried to reflect some of the glory that she sees in Christ. Had she known she might have been more focused, full of Christ's love, full of Christ's devotion, full of Christ's caring, full of Christ's forgiveness. Had she known she might have lived differently, with faith, with hope, with joy. This is a good challenge for all of us. Are our beliefs lived out every day? Would people know we are Christians when they see us? Are our lives really and truly expressive of the life and love of Christ? And you know, the essence of this challenge, a large part of the way we live, emerges in thoughts about death and how we see final things. Do we really trust God's promises? Does our life show it? Will we die well? Do we hold to the idea that our lives are not our own? We belong to God, and whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Does it show in our living? See, to live the Christian life is to live a life with God fully at the center, as Ginger says, marinated in God's things. To live the Christian life is to live always in God's presence. To live the Christian life is to take all of those promises into the depths of our beings and let them blossom. Do not be afraid. That's the most prominent exhortation in all of Scripture. God promises to be with us in all moments. In the morning, God is there. In the setting of the sun, God is there. When challenges come our way, when the waters are raging around us, it feels, when we feel stuck between a rock and a hard place, we are not on our own. That's the promise. When we stand with our toe next to the open grave of our dearest loved one, God is there with us. When we're hearing the news, the harsh news about a new diagnosis or facing some insurmountable challenge, God knows where we are and promises to be there. God's love, see, abides forever. This is what is so clearly depicted in the first lesson from the Gospel of John about Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus who comes on the scene. Jesus comes on that scene and it's a scene of grief and anguish like you can't imagine. Jesus, if you had just been here, they're yelling. That's certainly what could have been said in the theater on Thursday night in Aurora, Colorado Jesus, if you had just been here life can be so overwhelming and so full of fear and full of such challenge and the sadness is real and it's all too much and the reality of death comes so close and Jesus says still, I'm the resurrection and the life Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. See, life is not just about what we see and life is not just about what we can accomplish and life is not just about what is happening around us. Life is always held by God. That's the promise. And life extends way beyond what we think and what we perceive. That's the message of the text in John and that's the message of the text in 1 Corinthians 15. Death is real. Death is often something that separates us from our loved ones. Pain and suffering are very much a part of our lives. We know it all too well. Hardship and loss come our way and can feel overwhelming at times. But as the Apostle Paul affirms so clearly, thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death loses its sting. Where, oh, death is your victory, Paul asks. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. You know your labor is not in vain. God's love holds us. God's light shines in the darkness. No darkness can overcome it. Death is not the end. Nothing separates us from God's love. This is the framework for our living Whether we are young and vigorous, going to work and enjoying the pleasures of life, or whether we're in the final stages of life on this earth, this is the context for our living. These promises intend to shape our lives, our daily life. Whether we are uh, raising our kids or burying our loved ones, God's abiding presence and promises want to shape us as we go to work, as we go into surgery, as we go to another radiation treatment, as we go on vacation, as we welcome new life into the world, as we gather for a funeral for a life that has come to the end. This is the context for our living. Life is held by God Death comes to all of us, but death is not the enemy, and death is not the end. Death is but the passageway to new life in God's full presence. And these truths intend to shape us wherever we find ourselves all through our lives. Almost exactly four years ago, my family went on another beach vacation We have done this for many years. My parents, my four siblings, and all of our kids go to the week for a beach beach week. It can be fantastic. It can be frenzied. It can be frustrating, as you all know. On this beach trip almost exactly four years ago, my father was in the final months of his life. We all knew it. He was coming to the end of his chemotherapy, and chemotherapy's ability to fight back the cancer that was eating away at his body. He was weak, too weak to go into the ocean, which is what he loved to do. He was too weak almost to climb the steps into the beach house. But dad was there with all of his extended family, and he spent the week talking individually with each one of his grandchildren, one-on-one. He was so intentional at sharing his wisdom, at encouraging each one with where they were and what, what was going on in each of their particular lives. There, were lots of, there was lots of laughter. There were lots of tears. Because we all knew that for my father, life was short. And if you ask anyone in my family what they learned from my father, it would be something like, like this. Life belongs to God. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Death is real. Hardship and loss come our way. But God's love prevails. In Christ we are made alive. This is our hope. This is what shapes our living. I've seen and learned this from many people across my privileged ministry. I've learned it from many of you. Some of us really get it. The truth seeps into the deepest place and some of us are trying to get it more. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. We're held by God. This is the news that intends to shape all things about us. How we live, how we love, how we deal with changes and challenges, how we plan for our funerals, how we face our final days with hope, And with joy. When this message of God's love and God's presence becomes part of us, we live more fully. When we understand that life is more than what we can see. That life is more than what we can accomplish. That life is more and goes far beyond what we know or perceive. Then we live differently. Toward wholeness. And hope. Toward God. Maybe you know the true story of a Swedish businessman who in 1888 opened the paper, the newspaper in his town, and to his shock and to his dismay read his own obituary. It was in fact his, his brother who had died, but the newspaper printed his obituary, not his brother's, and this gave the man a glimpse of how the world would see the man. The sum of his life, and he decided he didn't like what he read. The facts of the obituary were accurate enough. His impressive credentials were there. But nothing in the obituary spoke about his high principles, nothing in the obituary spoke about his uh, compassionate commitments. Instead, the obituary focused on his inventions and his patents. And his wealth. Indeed, decades earlier, this particular man had invented an explosive called dynamite. And this destructive force gained him wealth and fame. The Swedish businessman was named Alfred Nobel. And the day he read his own obituary marked the beginning of a new life for him. Alfred Nobel realized that he did not want to be remembered as the one who founded violence and destruction, just dynamite. He wanted his legacy to be one of compassion and goodness and, most of all, peace. And he then redirected his life to noble causes. From that day on, he began giving money away, making provisions for the establishment of the Nobel Peace Prizes which recognize and affirm worldwide achievement in human enrichment and peace. Today, Alfred Nobel is not known for inventing dynamite, but for the significant awards that recognize highest achievements in medicine, in science, and in peace. What will your legacy be? What will your legacy be? Our legacy is often shaped by how we think about death and how we die. We can't determine how exactly we're going to die, but we can determine what shapes our lives, and we can die well in the sure confidence of God's everlasting arms. None of us know when our days on earth will come to an end, But we can live in such a way that our lives rest in God's care, always. And we can live out God's purposes every day of our lives with love and generosity and forgiveness and hope. We can live with the end in mind. Life is held by God forever. We can live with that end in mind and so live toward God's loving arms and abiding care and focus our lives on serving God every day the best we can. So are your personal affairs in order? Or will someone have to come in and clean them up and straighten it out? Are there words that you need to say to someone? Are there actions that need to be taken to redirect your life toward love and generosity and forgiveness and hope? This is all part of our legacy. Have you expressed what you want in terms of final things? Like funeral arrangements? Or will that be left to others to guess and figure out without you? There's a brochure that is out on the credenza. It looks like this. And it invites you to think about final things for your life, and I invite you to think about this and talk with your loved ones about it and make some good plans and for sure leave a file of this at the church. Will your legacy include generosity and perpetual giving to God's work? Perhaps through the church or in other places, through your will and your estate? This is all part of your legacy. If we know that life is held by God always, and that life comes from God and proceeds to God, then we know how to live. We know how to live. And we know how to die. We do. In God's good care and seeking to serve God always. May it be so. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise, to trust you, to serve you. That is to abide forever. We commit to that way, following Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.